Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us as we wrap up another week. Thank you for letting us be part of your day. We're going to be talking markets today with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. Get an update on the battle with soybean cyst nematode from Greg Tilka, nematologist from Iowa State. We're going to get an update on the activities of animal rights groups and their attacks on animal agriculture. We'll talk with the president of Protect the harvest on today's program all that coming up and hope you'll stay with us right now we're going to kick things off with jerry hagstrom with the hagstrom report jerry thank you for joining us so what's going on in this lame duck session are they getting anything done well good morning they are negotiating on the uh, appropriations package uh, and maybe there will be some additional COVID-related matters, uh, matters attached to that, uh, but we don't have any word on that. Now, actually, Nancy Pelosi has a press conference. The House, she's the House Speaker at 1045 Washington time, so maybe there'll be something revealed then. Uh, but they, I, I think that, the, uh, that they will get a, a, an appropriations package passed by December 11th, which is the deadline, uh, the, uh, the day that the current funding runs out. Uh, but I'm not expecting much more out of the Congress uh, this uh, before they leave for Christmas. And they usually go right to the deadline. Do you think that'll happen here? Go right, pretty much right down to the wire on this? Uh, I, I, yeah, I think so. I, I don't see any indication. I mean, now, you know, they're going to leave. Well, the Senate's gone already. Uh, but the House is going to send the House is going to leave and they'll come back on the 30th of November. Uh, and that gives them about 10 days to get this done. So I, right, I imagine they will go close to the deadline. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. Um, when we look at the potential, uh, some of the names for these seats that will be opening up if uh, we make that transition as expected to the Biden administration. A lot of speculation about Secretary of Agriculture. Uh, former Senator Heidi Heitkamp's name has been mentioned a lot, but there's been some pushback to her. Uh, what are you hearing on that front? Who? What are the other prominent names that you were hearing? Well, uh, one of them is Russell Redding, the Pennsylvania Agriculture Secretary. Um, uh, another, of course, is Marsha Fudge, who is African-American, and she's the congresswoman from, from Ohio, uh, but she comes from a very urban district. Uh, now, you mentioned that there had been pushback against Heidkamp, but now the Biden transition team is pushing back against the leftists. They haven't mentioned Marsha Fudge uh, in, when they're talking about that, but but the uh, leftists have been criticizing Biden's appointment as, for White House staff. So now I would say that there's pushback against, uh, against the left, against choosing a non-traditional candidate. I would also report that Heitkamp, I think, enhanced her position today. She gave an interview to Politico in which she talked about uh, conservation, said she has a lot of confidence in the idea of the carbon sink, which, of course, is one of the ideas that has been proposed 
uh, as, uh, by the, by the uh, climate change people, people who are worried about that. Uh, she also says there needs to be a new approach to obesity because uh, so many obese people have died from COVID. Is most of the pushback against Heitkamp height camp coming from within the Democratic Party? Yes, I would say it does come from within the Democratic Party, but uh, it's from the, uh, I would call the far left of the Democratic Party. Uh, it is groups like Friends of the Earth. The pushback does not come from the National Farmers Union, which is Democratic-leaning, or the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, which is also viewed as a sort of leftist um, group. Its members are smaller, environmentally-minded uh, farmers, but they're not involved in this pushback against Heidkamp. Interesting, the new uh, alliance that's been formed with some ag groups and some other groups that you usually don't think of aligning with ag groups, uh, but obviously environmental issues and policies moving forward will be front and center as we uh, go into the new administration, and agriculture certainly want to make sure that they have a seat at the table and that they're part of that discussion. Yes, I think that that alliance that was announced by Farm Bureau and Farmers Union and the Environmental Defense Fund and the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, I think this shows that, that these conservation issues are becoming very central to, to farm policy issues in the, uh, or policy making in the future. Um, and uh, uh, in her interview also, Senator Heidkamp said that it's important very important that farmers be given assistance to help with this rather than just to be told what to do. Two other prominent names. What are you hearing about possible roles for them? Tom Vilsack, Colin Peterson. Will they be part of this new administration? I don't know. Now, my sources tell me that the Vilsacks, both Tom Vilsack and his wife, Christy, are very close to, to the Bidens personally. But there has been no announcement of a role for, for Vilsack so far. I wrote a column this week in which I said it would be a shame if, if uh, Colin Peterson's expertise and leadership in agriculture is lost. He is one of those people mentioned for agriculture secretary, uh, but it hasn't been as prominent and at, in the past Peterson has said he didn't want to be Agriculture Secretary. Now, of course, when you've lost your House seat, that could change. Yeah, it does remain to be seen. We really haven't heard uh, much from uh, Chairman Peterson about what he might want to do or prefer to do. Um, but one thing he certainly bring would bring to the position, uh, a history of working with the other side, reaching across the aisle, uh, a bipartisan approach to many uh, issues, uh, something that uh, we don't see a whole lot of in Washington these days. Well, yes, and he's also worked very broadly within the Democratic Party. He gets along very well with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi um, and, uh, and also with the anti-hunger advocates, the nutrition advocates. Uh, and even though he made fun of the organic food industry when it first got started, he later came around and said, well, if that's what the consumers want, that's fine. And he got an award from the industry. So Peterson's breadth of knowledge is so great. That's why I, even though the, the voters of his district said they didn't want him anymore, uh, the loss of his expertise is a real tragedy.
So we'll see what happens. A lot, it's that time of musical chairs, a lot of seats to be filled. We'll see uh, who fills them. As always, Jerry, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Good to talk to you. Have a, Take have a good care, weekend. Jerry. You too. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, the president of Protect the Harvest, Dale Ludwig, will join us. We're going to talk about some of the activities of animal rights groups and their uh, very anti-animal agriculture positions on a lot of issues. What do those in agriculture need to be aware of? We'll talk about that and maybe talk a little bit about what's going on these days with the hemp industry. We'll get into all that when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose propane from FS. With propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit fspropane.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, let's talk about ag equipment sales. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. The October numbers for tractor and combine sales here in the United States are positive across the board. We've seen a nice recovery. Certainly continues to be driven by that small tractor market, but boy, we're seeing some really nice signs of life in row crop tractors and shore tractors and articulated pull-wheel drive tractors and self-propelled combines. We were starting to see that in October with these October numbers and this rally we've had this past week on prices. I would certainly hope that that momentum will continue through October and all all the way through the end of the year so we can end 2020 as a positive year for uh, ag equipment sales. Now, looking forward to 2021, you know, those numbers are still also looking positive. I think there's just a fair amount of optimism in, in farm country right now. And that's that's a good thing for agriculture. That's a good thing for rural America. And that's certainly a good thing for the equipment manufacturers. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. 
Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by Dale Ludwig, president of Protect the Harvest. Dale, thank you for joining us. For those not really familiar with Protect the Harvest, tell us about uh, about the group uh, and your work, your mission. Well, thanks, Mike. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, Protect the Harvest started about 10 years ago after uh, HSUS, the Maine Society of the United States, tried to pass Proposition B in Missouri, which basically would dictate the size of uh, it, it was primarily focused on pet breeders but the size of the pens that they had their uh, had their dogs in but also you know we saw that as the camel's nose under the tent moving into other livestock as well that was kind of our concern um, so we were able to eventually defeat proposition b and then coming out of that we had some momentum we we started the group protect the harvest and then went ahead and passed a right to farm bill in Missouri. And after that, we, uh, you know, we tried to defend agriculture against legislation primarily that uh, is, you know, anti-agriculture or limits production. And a lot of we, in some cases, we've been successful, and others not. You know, we're we're fighting primarily against agreement. We try to expose. Humane Society of the United States, HSUS, for what they are. And that is a, a group that tries to put money together that then tries to eliminate animal agriculture. So uh, it, it's been, we've been in, at this for 10 years. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. So uh, at that point in time, it was primarily HSUS. And today, you can identify about 39 other groups or a total of about 40 that are trying to do the same thing. They, uh, they take advantage of poor animals. They run these, uh, run these ads on TV and exploit those animals that are underfed and then take that money and put virtually none of it back into taking care of animals, but most of it to hire lawyers to pass legislation and things like that. So uh, what we do is try to inform, educate, protect agriculture, and then respond to some of these things. That kind of gives you a quick overview, Mike. Yeah, the legislative process, the propositions on ballots, that seems to be their their main tactic now. Uh, and the, the ads that you mentioned, I think a lot of people give with good intentions but don't understand, don't really realize how those contributions are, are being used. Uh, you're a- absolutely right, you know, and I, I suspect 98%, 99% not everybody that, that contributes money. To, they believe that money is going to go to rescue an animal or to take care of the, to help feed animals that aren't being taken care of well. And I do want to just start by saying the Protect the Harvest is all over about um, making sure that we, we treat animals in a responsible manner. But, you know, if you think about people that have raised or have cattle or hogs or even puppies, for that matter, nobody cares more about them than the people that own them. And other than maybe 1% that would like like abuse animals, you know, the intentions are uh, of 
of people that are raising animals is incredibly good. So for HSUS to come out and act like it's not is just uh, disingenuous. Yeah, I always encourage people that are concerned about the welfare of animals, give locally and that you can keep an eye on how your money's being used. Uh, we're talking with Dale Ludwig, president of Protect the Harvest. All right, Dale, how big a threat are these groups to to animal agriculture in this country? Um, I mean, I, I always, I say this a lot, I, I really believe that these groups, they, they you know, kind of portray themselves as wanting just better care for animals but it seems to me that their real goal is to eliminate animal agriculture altogether what are your thoughts on that one and the threat to animal agriculture well that that is exactly what their goal is to eliminate people owning animals even having them as pets for that matter and your comment about giving locally is exactly right because most of the local humane societies or or animal shelters do actually take care of animals. They make sure they, they get fed, and in many cases, they're underfunded. So, yeah, I agree, agree with giving locally. But, uh, you know, currently, it, one of the goals that these groups have is, is currently about 12% of all meat products or fake meat, meat products are, animal, are plant-based. But their goal is to have 50% of all of those fake meat type products to control the market by 2004. You know, we're talking four years from now. They they intend to, to have half that market. Now, that's a, a lofty goal. And whether I don't believe they'll ever accomplish it. But their goal is to get rid of animal agriculture, and which would uh, obviously destroy the livestock, pork, poultry, and uh, uh, industries that we depend on. And there's there's no better animal than a beef cow to take something that is you know, totally non-edible for, for humans and turn it into high-quality protein. Now, I think the other concern, their appeal now to a lot of people, and it is probably successful in some cases, they're, they're convincing people or trying to convince people that if you eliminate animal agriculture, you're, you're saving the planet somehow. Well, that, there's nobody to get the worst rap on on like hurting the uh, climate than what the cattle industry does. Now, somebody came up with some crazy numbers here a few years ago, and everybody wants to like use those as examples. But the truth of the matter is they're wrong. And so, if you know, if you look at the true carbon footprint for for livestock, especially cattle, because they're the ones that get most of the grief, uh, you know, it's not bad at all. And so also another interesting thing that they're trying to push now is, is what they call Project Counterglow. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but you should probably Google it and look it up. They have identified about 30,000 locations across the U.S. that are either producers, people that research with animals, uh, people that are processing, you know, like a beef processing facility. And they have a database, and, and so they can pick those those people to go in and try to invade or investigate, uh, and just create havoc. But it's interesting, it, it you know, in the fact that they call it the Project Counterglow, it's it's a cutesy little phrase. Uh, it is kind of spooky, but it is hard to say they're really focusing on anybody when you have thirty thousand people in that group. Yeah. 
Well, that's why it's so important to be aware of the, the activities of these groups, call attention to it, and then work very hard to educate people about what's really going on and how animals are cared for in, in animal agriculture and get that message out. Uh, Dale, before we let you go, I know you wear many hats. I know you're also, you also work with the hemp industry. It, uh, it wasn't too long ago there was a lot of buzz around the, uh, pardon the pun, a lot of uh, <laughs> attention and publicity around the uh, hemp, industry, hemp industry, a lot of uh, interest in, in even growing hemp, but it's kind of... Uh, slowed down here some we haven't heard as much about it a lot of challenges where does that industry stand right now well i think we've had a reset there's no question one uh, you know people were making claims on cbd that you can make forty thousand dollars an acre so you had a whole bunch of people kind of jump into that and a, a couple things that we found was one it's a lot harder to grow than most people thought it was and number two, it didn't take real long to saturate that market. So all of a sudden there was more CBD product, biomass around, and there really was a market for it. So, uh, yeah, the buzz, that's a, that's a cool term. It's kind of uh, it's kind of settled down, and it, it's probably good. There were a lot of unscrupulous people that, uh, that were in that industry, and it's got a lot of those people out. Kind of my focus, uh, I started a group called the Midwest Hemp Association, and our focus is more on fiber. And what we're trying to do is align all those different groups to from producers to the end market, which would include, in many cases, several different processing steps, most of which we don't know how to do. They may do it in Europe, but uh, we we don't understand the process. We don't have the equipment. And you have to make all those things happen at the same time or the, the market is like it's not going to be sustainable. So that's kind of my focus as far as the uh, is, mm-hmm. as we look at hemp kind of moving forward. I think the real future for most of the Midwest is with hemp fiber, um, building materials, plastic, fabric, um, hempcrete, you know, so the list kind of goes on and on, but certainly a real opportunity, I believe, in the building materials industry. In, okay. in many cases, you can grow a crop of hemp that's equivalent to loblolly pine. And you can grow it in one year that takes 30 years with the loblolly pine. All right, Dale, thanks. Good to talk with you. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Mike. I, I've enjoyed it. Dale Ludwig, president of Protect the Harvest. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online.
Time now for a market check here on AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures trending higher after a brief correction in wheat and corn yesterday. Fund attitudes remain the driving factor behind the market, according to the Wire Talk. Soybean futures turned higher yesterday after starting the day lower. That comes as soybean oil futures continued to ride on a wave of advances. We are backpedaling on this Friday session in soybean oil, 19 to 31 points lower an hour into the trading day. But in soybean futures, January up five and three quarters, 11.82 and three quarters. March at 11.82, up six and a half. December corn up two at 4.24 and a half. March 4.30, up two and three quarters. Chicago wheat December up four and a half at five ninety six. Kansas City wheat December up four at five fifty two. Minneapolis spring wheat December up two at five forty eight and a quarter cent. For livestock at the American feeder cattle futures, January down a dollar thirty seven at one thirty four fifteen. March down a dollar thirty five at one thirty three sixty. Live cattle December down sixty two at one oh seven sixty two. February at 110.17, down 35. Most of the cash cattle trade we've seen this week has been a 110 per hundred weight in the central and southern plains on a live basis, fully steady with a week ago. Cattle on feed numbers coming out from USDA later on today. December lean hogs up 22, 63.92. February up a dollar two at 64.07. On Wall Street, the Dow down 174, S&P down 14, December crude oil up 4 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we talk it over with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Arlen, always good to have you with us. Um, for all, you know, for the majority, uh, the harvest is behind us now. We settle in. We're going into a holiday season, still wondering about the virus, lockdowns, things like that. What's the focus of the markets right now? Well, there's probably two big focuses right now, although they are related. COVID is obviously a concern because that influences money flow. 
So for that, I watched the VIX, and the VIX on Wall Street remains at relatively low levels, trading just below 23 at this hour. Uh, again, it normally trades between 10 and 20, so it is elevated. But really, once it's, as long as it stays below 30, we can really still rally these commodities, and you can rally above it as long as you have a strong story. Soybeans are really the only commodity right now that seems to have a strong story, although corn and wheat have hopes for a strong story going forward. So as long as we keep that fear level low, we can sustain this money flow into these markets. Beyond that, we see these green and oil seed markets focused on the fundamentals of strong demand and, and elevated weather risk, while the meat markets are more in the fear side. Uh-oh, what if we have a repeat of the spring uh, when we shut things down? We had processing plant shutdowns over labor issues, etc. And so kind of two different worlds that are somewhat interactive. What do we know about the progress China's making on rebuilding their swine herd following African swine fever. And depending, I guess, how far along they are on that, how that impacts uh, demand, say, for soybean, soybean meal. Yeah, good question, because that's a key question going forward for that demand. And right now, China says that they're back to 88% of pre-African swine fever levels. We doubt those numbers based on our boots on the ground and what they're seeing there. They have made huge strides. Uh, at the worst of it, uh, in the third quarter of last year, we felt like they were down 60 to 70% from pre-ASF levels. We now think that they're down 20 to 25% from pre-ASF levels. So they've come back a long ways. Uh, closing the gap on the rest of it may take a little bit longer. But nonetheless, we are seeing hog prices declining. They're still elevated significantly, but they're below year-ago levels and continuing to trend lower. Um, but they're trending lower at a time when imports are also at record high price or record high levels as well. So imports are still very strong. We do think that imports are going to be trending lower through 2021. We're probably at the peak level of shipments to China now. That doesn't mean that they'll just totally shut off in 2021. But it is very concerning that we don't have a lot of uh, pork on the books for them for 2021 right now. It's very low levels. Um, but as far as rebuilding the herds, they are doing so. The demand for soybeans, imported soybeans, looks to top 100 million metric tons this year. That may be conservative. If you think before ASF, they were increasing soy meal, excuse me, soybean imports by an average of 9.7% over the decade prior to ASF. So now with food waste banned, and previously most hog production was in small family farms with a lot of food waste from local restaurants being fed, that is all banned now with a highly commercialized trade where 60% is commercialized. Um, we would expect that soy mill growth to be much at a much faster pace as they rebuild. And so I think that uh, uh, 100 million metric tons may be on the conservative side for the current year. Will markets be nervous while watching and waiting to see how what the relationship is between a Biden administration and China? 
I think the mark, ag markets really aren't real concerned about that at this point because they believe that China is buying what it needs rather than buying because it's trying to honor the trade agreement. Um, China will probably test Biden just like they tested Trump, um, and ha- what form that test may take is still unknown but they're probably not going to test him with food-based commodities that they need. So uh, I don't think the markets are real nervous about that in the short run. Long run, I think regardless of who's in the White House, they want to move toward self-sufficiency. They have made that quite clear. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. Uh, What's the latest in South America and any weather concerns there? Coming into this year, we've talked to quite a bit about the expectation based on La Niña's that tend to leave Argentina's core growing areas dry and the southern maybe 20% of Brazil, 15 to 20% of Brazil dry. But everything north of that in the bulk of Brazil would see above normal rains that would more than offset the lost production in the south of Brazil. And that was kind of the expectation. Once the rainy season got here after a late start, then everything would be fine. That has not been the case. Uh, in the rainy season has been very disappointing to this point. Uh, and uh, in fact, if you kind of look at how it's played out, uh, we see that three fourths, excuse me, that two thirds of Brazil's soybean belt over the last 30 days has received less than 75% of normal rainfall, and 39% has received less than 50% of normal rainfall. Now, normal is a lot of rain. Um, so they can still produce a crop with 75% of normal rainfall, depending on the distribution of it. Is it a general pattern, or is it uh, kind of a hodgepodge of where the thunderstorms happen to build the convective storms? But overall, we're seeing a lot of dryness, especially in Meta Grasso. Meta Grasso is 1.3 times the state of Texas in area. They account for, and when you look at the portion of Brazil's production that they produce, it's equal to Iowa and Illinois combined as a percent of U.S. production. So it is very, very significant in what it produces, and as far as what China may need from us, because they may or may not be able to get what they need from Brazil. And so watching its weather is concerned. December and January weather are critical for pod fill and pod set in the area. Um, they're at a deficit right now. The soil's very dry, but the crop is kind of hanging on. Any prolonged dry period would quickly cause a drop in production expectations. And right now, as I looked at the European model this morning, it's looking pretty dry for Meta Grasso for the next two weeks. Yeah, we'll keep a close watch on that. Finally, uh, Arlen, as farmers, you know, kind of, They've wrapped up harvest for the most part, and uh, they're looking back on on this rally and happy for the rally, obviously, wish probably wishing they'd been able to time it a little better as far as some sales were concerned, but still overall a much better situation than we came we were expecting we would have here at harvest time. But now the focus is looking forward, marketing opportunities, how much do you sell ahead of time of next year's crop, or do you, do you wait? What are you hearing? What are you what are you suggesting? Yeah, there's a lot of question marks, <clears throat> excuse me, still out there. And that comes down to <clears throat> excuse me, how well we're able to 
pull the crop together in Brazil because that will indicate our need for next year. We're looking for a big increase in acres in soybeans for this coming year. So if Brazil pulls it together and we have the big increase in acres, we could see a big drop-off in prices. Those are big ifs right now. So when will we know? When might we expect those prices to break? Based on what we currently know, that would probably be in some of that January-February time period when we'll have a good handle on on the size of Brazil's crop and therefore what China may need out of us. That'll tell us a lot about whether we're getting too many acres for next year or need to discourage some acres or whether we need to expand and get more acres. So over this next 30 to 60 days should tell us a lot about next year's marketing opportunities. And, of course, then we will know more about whether La Nina is going to continue and raise some risk for our production in the Midwest as well. Yeah, a lot of interesting decisions when you look at fertilizer prices and what do you go ahead and do or hold off on. Those are some big decisions that will be made now. Absolutely, and I don't envy the situation we're in. Fortunately, we do have some tools that are available in the marketplace that allow you to focus on maintaining equity, building equity, and still maintain some upside flexibility. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's unknowns that everyone's guessing on, and that's the purpose of the market is every day the bulls and the bears together in the market trying to anticipate. But momentum's to the upside right now. Yeah, I was going to – I keep saying this. I, I do want to emphasize this. These are tough decisions and big questions to be answered. But the good news here in a year that hasn't had a lot of good news, the good news is there's actually some – some good options out there. I mean, a better scenario to deal with and still big decisions to make, but at least it, before it's like, uh, how do I make a decision to to uh, lose as little as possible? Now making decisions that, that can show a profit. Yeah, exactly right. And anytime you get to expand equity in your farm, that's a positive because we certainly have those years to go through when we drain on that equity. Yeah. Arlen, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. All right, take care. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with StoneX. So we'll continue to watch closely that uh, weather pattern in South America. Uh, that's going to be key for this uh, for the markets moving forward, especially the soybean market, and uh, will have a big impact on some decisions for next year here in the U.S. We'll be watching closely our weather throughout this winter as well. A lot of dry areas and a lot of concerns there. All right, coming up next, how much did you lose this year if you're growing soybeans? How much did you lose to soybean cyst nematode? What steps can you take to keep that from happening again? We're going to talk with Iowa State nematologist Greg Tilka next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. 
I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 food banks strong. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, let's look now at some meat export numbers, especially pork, some encouraging numbers as we talk it over with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. The exports for September on pork came in really about where we expected, 10% growth year on year. But China was up, but it wasn't the only market up. Broad-based growth, which is encouraging. We saw significant increases in Japan. Vietnam, Philippines, Taiwan, Chile, the Caribbean, several markets. So we're very encouraged by that. And and one of the drivers here in Asia specifically is the demand in Asia is really getting back. It varies a little bit by country, but in general, really getting back to normal. A lot of activities are happening, in-person activities, consumption's rebounding, the economies are rebounding. So it's really a perfect storm for increased business in the Asia region. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. 
Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's get an update on the battle with the soybean cyst nematode. Joining us is Greg Tilka, Iowa State nematologist. And Greg, thanks for joining us. With with harvest 2020 behind us now, and yields, for the most part, can't say for everyone, but for many, good, not great. Uh, not the record we thought it was going to be, but still overall a good harvest. I wonder how much yield was lost this year to soybean cyst nematode. Well, um, Mike, that's a good question, and um, I just kind of reviewed all of our research results for in, the, in the state of Iowa and um, kind of echoing your comment about yields in, in parts of the state where we got adequate rainfall. Yields actually were really, really good, but in about uh, 40% of our experiments, they were in drought country, and we saw not so good yields at all, and then tremendous nematode reproduction. So I think it really depends on uh, rainfall, and we've known this, perhaps even you and I have talked about this before, that uh, rainfall is a great mitigator of uh, SCN damage. So if uh, farmers were growing beans in a place that got decent rainfall, um, I don't think there would have been nearly as much SCN damage as in the drought-stricken areas uh, throughout the Midwest. Well, we know there's a lot of dry areas across the Midwest, so what does that tell us going into next year that we should be concerned about? Well, really, um, assuming that, that most of the, the dry areas of the Midwest are in a, a corn bean rotation or, or maybe even corn corn bean, um, it, it really has ramifications two seasons from now or more. So I know I'm going to be preaching not necessarily for 2021 growing season in Iowa, but in 2022, I'm going to be reminding people that um, you might have extra high uh, levels of SCN waiting for you in 2022 because of the drought conditions and the, the really high nematode reproduction that happened in 2020. Now, having said that, I think it's good for farmers to know what their nematode numbers are anyway. So I'm currently also beating the drum about fall soil sampling so you know what's going to hit you uh, in 2021 when you're growing soybeans in those fields. Yeah, now's the time to be taking care of that soil testing. I was thinking about next year because we keep talking about the the high probability, it seems like right now, of, of an increase in soybean acres next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really don't uh, know in great detail cropping plans, you know, throughout the region. I suppose maybe there could be some beans on beans, and and that would be a real dangerous situation, potentially dangerous with SCN because of all the high nematode reproduction that happened in those drought-stricken areas uh, in 2020. So that that is a good uh, lookout or watch out for farmers to think about. 
soil testing now is is a key step, right, in the fight against SCN. Absolutely. It's the most important thing a farmer can do between now and next year's planting is to get out, pull soil samples, or have someone pull the samples for them, get them to a lab, and find out what's waiting for them in the fields that are going to have soybeans grown in 2021. And might be appropriate to point out at this point, the the National SCN Coalition has a website with a map, a U.S. map you can click on your state and find out the laboratories that process samples. And the website is thescncoalition.com. No spaces, just thescncoalition.com. Taking the time to do that could save uh, soybean growers a lot moving forward, right? Absolutely. And there was an instance, we don't have time to get into the details probably this morning, but there was an instance in, in last year where um, we saw a 22 bushel per acre difference between the really uncommon, very effective SCN resistance, it's called Peking, and the normal, easy to come by SCN resistance called PI88788. So that's 22 bushels per acre comparing two different types of resistance. Um, and then the difference would be even greater if you compared it to a susceptible soybean. So, you know, knowledge is power. It's kind of a cliche, but it, it's not. Um, knowing what is waiting for farmers in those soybean fields for 2021 um, can help them plan, and they should seek help from local agronomists and university extension personnel, and then check out that SCN Coalition website as well. It, it really could make a ton of money difference uh, what they find out this fall and how they plan for what's waiting for them. Yeah, some farmers hearing that uh, already might be trying to might be doing some of that math in their head. Twenty-two bushels an acre more. You know, you start that that adds up. Uh, and yeah, what's the up update us on what where we're at as far as uh, SCN resistant varieties that are available now? Well, it, it's so ironic that we're talking this morning because I'm putting the final touches on an annual report that I put out through Iowa State Extension. It's a catalog of all the cyst-resistant soybeans available to Iowa farmers, but I think it's reflective of a lot of states in the region. And this year we have about 850 varieties, but 810 of those 850 varieties have the easy-to-find PI88788 resistance. And unfortunately, that's the genetics that the nematode has started to overcome. And so that's the resistant type of genetics that's not going to give you maximum yield. But the top yielding source of resistance is called Peking, and there's only 35 varieties out of 849 in my list that have Peking for resistance. So they're hard to come by, but um, farmers should think about searching those out. And uh, the other thing I really ask farmers to do is start asking their seed companies for more choices. It's very unhealthy to have 95% of the resistant soybean varieties available for them, those farmers to grow have the same set of resistance genetics. That'd be like having 95% of the herbicides available for weed control to be one mode of action. Important information. Greg, as always, thanks for the update. It's great talking to you, Mike. Thank you.
Take care. Greg Tilka, Iowa State Nematologist. All right, that wraps it up for today. Monday, we'll talk with the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council and learn about their Give a Ham campaign that's about to launch. Hope you'll join us. Stay safe. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for being with us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.